Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So there are times when we have ideas about who somebody is, and then something happens that forever changes our view of that person. Usually, we don't find out something wonderful about a person that we never knew about. Usually it's not, hey, that friend of yours has secretly been feeding the homeless for years and not telling anybody about it. Usually it's not something very positive when we find out things about people we know that are surprising it's usually negative in nature. For example, many years ago, I had met somebody in the health and wellness community, and she was someone who had a very good reputation. And because of that, and she seemed to be very pleasant and nice and somebody that I could get along with. And so I started to have a friendship with her. And as we were getting to know one another, we would go out to lunch or dinner and just sort of reveal more as friends do as they're getting to know one another. And she told me about how her marriage had failed. And the way she said it was this, well, you know, I was young and so I cheated on him and, you know, that's just what happens with young people. And the thing that bothered me about this was not that she had made the mistake of cheating when she was young in a young marriage, but the fact that she was so casual about it like it wasn't a big deal. Now I could respect somebody who said I was too young to be married and as a result I made this big mistake and you know it ruined my marriage and I learned from it. I could respect somebody like that. But this was more like what's the big deal? I'm not sure why he was so upset. And it was just mind-boggling to me that somebody who had such a good reputation in the health and wellness community and was known for having integrity in her work could actually have very little in the way of integrity in her personal life. Now, this one was easy for me. You know, we weren't too far into the relationship and to me, it was very easy. Um, my brain said that people with a low moral compass are not trustworthy and therefore are not friends. This was very easy. This was a belief system I had and it was easy to go to that and decide very quickly that this was not somebody that I was going to be friends with long term or really at all after that interaction. It might have been a different story if I had known her for a longer period of time and something like this had 
come out. Now, this idea about what our brains do with shocking information is very interesting. This is a concept invented by a psychologist by the name of Jean Piaget. And basically what Piaget said was that our brains have two ways of looking at things. Either we look at something new and it fits into what we already believe about the world and so we put it in the proper category and that is called assimilation. In this example I gave, I assimilated the idea that someone with a low moral compass is not a friend. And so that was easy because I already had a belief about that. And so the new information was easily assimilated into my brain. Now, the opposite of assimilation is accommodation. And what that is, is that when we don't have pre-existing ideas about something, our brain has to come up with new ways of understanding. When something doesn't already fit into a category that our brain can assimilate, if, if some idea doesn't fit into our pre-existing schemas or ideas about the world, then we have to sort of stretch our brains to understanding in a new way. And so this happens in a variety of ways. And I'm really talking about when people come to terms with shocking information about people they know. For example, let's say that you have a neighbor who you don't know very well and always seems very friendly and cordial and they keep their home neat and their lawn mowed and they seem like a perfectly decent person. And then somehow later you find out that that person is a child molester. And so what does your brain do with that information? Your brain becomes shocked and tries to figure out how nice neighbor and child molester go together. And your brain might have a problem figuring this one out. And I can tell you that as a therapist, I have watched this in action. For example, I have had situations in which my clients have been molested by a family member and how the family reacts to it by the way has everything to do with the mental health outcome for the victim and so there are a variety of ways that this can be handled so one way is that a protective parent might call the police and try to get that person in trouble, utilize the law to find justice. 
sometimes it goes in the other direction where the family does not believe the child or the victim and what has happened and they will go with the idea inside their head that family member and child molester does not fit together but family member and lying is a possibility and therefore the victim is probably lying or in some cases i have seen family is family no matter what happens so what do they do when they find out that one of the family members has been victimizing others or multiple others well we're just not going to tell the authorities you just stay away from that person and it's on you the child or the victim to stay away from that person and it is your responsibility and i've seen that a number of times but what's been very disturbing for me is that these families will put the burden of staying away from said family member on a child who's really too young to do that on their own and that's been really frustrating but that is unfortunately how many people make that shocking information work in their brains now another thing that happens that might be more relatable is finding out that someone who is a partner is cheating and this becomes shock and confusion and so the brain is trying to figure out trusted partner and cheating and those two things don't go together i can trust my partner fully and my partner is cheating these two ideas cannot be assimilated and so the brain has to create some kind of accommodation and so the brain has to figure out then what do we do with this how do we handle the shock of having lost trust in someone who you had trusted for a long time and the brain has to come up with a new way of thinking about partner and maybe that doesn't mean partner anymore maybe it means that trust and partner do go together and that without trust there is no partner and then the brain has to figure out next moves and then there are all these other ways that we can be shocked by things we find out about people besides cheating there's always the problem of addiction many of my clients have found out after they were with somebody for a while that the person had 
developed some kind of drug or alcohol problem over time that became a real problem. Or that someone they knew had all along been an addict but had been hiding it. Or they're a gambler and that had remained hidden for a while or you find your partner's pornography and find out they're addicted to porn. Whatever it is, you are trying to figure out how someone you loved and someone you trusted could also be living this separate life. And in a lot of cases, it's very confusing about what to do with this how to handle the idea that somebody in your life has had this secret life going on without you knowing it. And how do you make that work and fit in your brain? Because the shock is that they are not the person that you thought they were. They have this whole other side to them that you had never even thought was possible. And yet here it is. And so how do you assimilate that into your view of them? And one of the worst things I have talked about before in therapy is when a person is in therapy and they find out for the first time because they're in therapy that someone they loved, perhaps a partner, perhaps a parent, is actually a narcissist. And this is the one that really takes people down because their brain not only has to understand and get over the shock that someone who is a loved one is a narcissist. But the reason it's so difficult is that everything that the person thought to be true about their loved one is false. That all the times that they thought that their loved one was showing care and concern for them or seemed loving towards them or seemed like they really, really genuinely were interested in the best for you. That all goes out the window. It becomes an examination of the history of your relationship and how much of that was actually false. And when I say false, what I mean is that you find out that your loved one's motivations have never been about you or what's best for you. They have always been about them and what's best for them. And I have had many clients say, oh, my mom or my dad has always been my best friend. And then when they realize that mom or dad has kept them very, very close because they were trying to get their own needs met in the relationship above all. 
this begins to make people absolutely fall apart because they have to completely revise their history and what they believe to be the truth. And relationships are forever changed from here. And the brain has to accommodate this new idea of a relationship with somebody who isn't who you thought they were. And so this is the brain's task, is to figure out where all this shocking information needs to go in order for it to make sense. When somebody finds out that their view of someone has completely changed, they will find a way to say that somehow it's not true, that it's a lie, that it wasn't that person, it was somebody else. There's all kinds of ways where you can see the brain of somebody else trying to assimilate the information. And I remember particularly being a kid and leaving home and not seeing people that I had grown up with for a very long time, maybe even decades. So as a kid, I had seen a particular adult in my life as an adult and as somebody who I would look to for guidance and direction and a person who felt very, very stable and wise. And that was my last view as a child. And then decades later, I came back because someone who we mutually knew had passed away and met up with this adult at the funeral and talked at great length. And then, and at this point, I may have been either, I might've been a psychologist or, or like at the end of graduate school, maybe. And so I had had all this education between being a young kid and seeing this person again. And what I learned was that this person didn't have their act together, was not wise, had been addicted to drugs, had fried their brain, and was struggling a lot financially, emotionally, relationship-wise, you name it. And I remember just being so confused and trying to make it all fit. And in this situation, the only answer is, I was a kid and I didn't know what could happen to people yet over time and how their life might deteriorate or become dysfunctional. And now I do know that. And so it was incredibly still, given that I knew all that, it was still incredibly disappointing and shocking. And it felt very unstable to find all this about somebody I had admired as a child. 
And so it's not that this ever really gets easier. It really doesn't. Your brain will have to make things work in a way that makes sense and it won't be easy. And these moments in time where you find out the truth about somebody in your life can be almost debilitating. And in some cases I can say, I have witnessed this be debilitating for people. I have witnessed people finding stuff out about a loved one while they were seeing me. And even that has been shocking for me as a psychologist because someone will come in and report how wonderful this or that family member or partner has been and supportive and thank God they've had them in their lives and then one day they will come in and say, you would not believe what they have been doing all along. And then my view of their loved one becomes confused because everything they had told me up to this point had been about clearly somebody else in their mind. And when this happens, there is a mourning that goes on. It's as if the person has died. It is that the person who existed before never really fully existed that way. And making that work is a lot. It's a lot on a psyche and it's a lot on the emotions. And so I would say to you, if this has ever happened, if you find yourself even in the place where you're beginning to question who somebody is or who somebody says they are, if the words and the actions don't match up, if the behaviors seem off, if you have a strange feeling in the pit of your stomach suddenly, don't ignore it. Get into therapy, talk it out, figure out what is going on and how you're going to survive it. Because in the end, it's the preservation of your sanity that's going to matter the most. That you being able to understand your world, the people in your world and your place in this world is the most important thing in your life. You need to know where you fit and where everyone else fits. And sometimes people, because of who they actually are, will no longer fit into your world. Or the way that you've been thinking about the people in your life may no longer fit in your world or the way you've been ignoring behaviors or your instincts or the pit of your stomach. If you've been ignoring that, it's probably time to face it and get yourself some help. Be well and thank you for listening.